Today, we're talking about upgrading your primary design tool. We're the IT company who helps architecture design and engineering firms. We've done many of these through different iterations of various design tools. So Revit 2023 is one example, but there are others that we can help you um, kind of scope out how to make, well, a framework around how to make a decision and then a framework for the whole upgrade process and the costs along with that. Now you hear chats popping up. Um, that's um, a lot of times your questions, Nancy, who's here with us, um, to pop your questions into the team's chat and that's how we'd be able to get to them. Because we can't watch the stream that's 20 seconds in, in the past and <laughs> live in the present. Speaking of living in the present, uh, you know, we only have 3,276 or something like that Wednesdays left in our lives. So let's make this count. Let's make, uh, we want to make your time valuable and don't be shy. Ask your questions as we go along because everybody will have slightly different um, take on uh, the upgrade process. Here, the, uh, let me introduce the expert. The expert is the founder, CEO, and generally like one of the best men um, that I know. His name is Boris Rappaport. And generally. Generally, yeah. <laughs> And, and he'll be he'll be the one I poke today with questions that I think you would be asking, as well as your own questions on chat. Okay, and again, deeply apologizing for the uh, uh, for the Technical delay difficulties. But, right, but we solved it. Right, so that's gonna say something. Um, anyway, <laughs> Boris, let's get into this. So, so people are how are people approaching the decisions? Like, is it? Typically, when the new version comes out, people jump right away, start looking at features. How do companies or how do you recommend or how do you see good companies approach this primary design tool upgrade thought process initially? Um, so um, thanks, Alex, for bringing this up. I think we need to talk about kind of high level uh, view of what the framework and the process looks like. Um, and I think the decision has to be made based on evaluating multiple factors. Um, one of the primary factors is, is this new tool, um, does it have the features that are going to improve our internal workflow? Because a lot of times what we find is, you know, we upgrade for sake of upgrading, but we're not really um, using the new features that are, you know, that are promised by the upgrade or that are included as part of the new tool. So we want to evaluate the new features and understand how much, uh, I guess, how much improvement and how much time savings, how much cost savings um, those new features can bring to our design workflow. That how would be do step you, one. So, so maybe talk a little bit more about that. How do you, like, what's the timing of this? Like, you know, I run a company, you know, new version of team comes out. I'm not jumping on it right away, but it comes in my viewpoint at some point, I mean, a conference and a conversation. And I begin thinking through that. Um, is there some advice? Do you have some advice or have you seen something done in like that preliminary stage? Um, you know, as a principal, how do I even like, you know, um, how do I decide whether this feature is going to give us time or not uh, save us time or save us money or give us better uh, um, presentation to clients, whatever the case may be? I, I mean, I think it comes from the experience and understanding um, if you can use the tool in your design process. Um, for example, you know, one of the, I think, cool features that were introduced in Revit in the last couple of years was the um, ability to study um, motion of people through the building 
which, uh, you know, they didn't have that built in before. You had to use a third party to plug in. Uh, but then they introduced it in there and we see a lot of, um, you know, you see a lot of our customers utilizing that tool and actually saving this, themselves time and most likely money as well. Um, so those are kind of those are kind of um, features that we're talking about, something that can definitely be beneficial for you and your clients uh, down the line to provide those additional uh, studies or matrix and show them, I guess, show them additional benefits of your services and architect. Gotcha. All right. So now I'm an architect with less, we're going to use like a 30 person firm, right? As an example, and feel free to extrapolate to your size firm. Um, but um, now we've sort of made a decision that this is interesting to us. This can potentially, this could potentially be significant for us. Um, now what? Um, let's talk about, uh, first of all, the costs, right? I think that's kind of what the What's on a lot of our minds as business owners, as business uh, uh, people, the costs of upgrade. You want to walk us through uh, what that may look like? Uh, I think before we jump into that, though, I also want to make sure that we um, add some resources to the chat where people can go and find out what the newest feature sets uh, are. And it's not just for Revit as the primary design tool, but also for other tools like ArchiCAD and Vectorworks. So I think Nancy can put that in the chat. That would be great. Um, but to answer your question, Alex, um, as we, you know, as we research those additional resources and then we decide to um, plan for an upgrade, um, the costs around upgrading, I mean, there's multiple components to it. Uh, there is a cost of the software and licensing itself, right? Depending on which software you use um, and your uh, license model, um, you may need to invest additional money into purchasing the new version of the software. If you're on a subscription service, usually um, that is included as part of your subscription. So that's one of the benefits of being on a subscription service is you get access to upgrades um, for the life of your subscription. But if you're not, if you have like, you know, still using some older software, like, you know, Revit 2016, 2017, 2018, that you've still purchased as a perpetual license outside of the subscription, then upgrading to the latest version will cost you some additional dollars. Um, that would be cost number one. Additionally, we need to look at you know, the cost of training. Um, again, if you're running some older versions, um, the jump may be too big for you where you would need some additional training as well. And um, you know, cost of hardware, um, because you may need to upgrade your systems um, to handle the newest version. Hmm. Um, let's talk about the IT um, transitional cost. Uh, the, the the actual you know putting software in machines and 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 looking making sure it's running smoothly. So if someone has an IT partner, if they're working with us or someone else, uh, what does it look like typically? How does that like how do they budget for it? Well, usually. For many IT companies and managed IT services, and obviously depends on your contract, but usually this would be an additional service uh, that the IT provider charges you for. Um, so anything, usually anything that needs to be planned out as a massive software rollout to the whole company is going to be an additional service. And the way, you know, the rough estimate um, 
this is a budgetary number, kind of high level, because most likely it's going to be less expensive. But the rough estimate should be around one hour per workstation to get the software installed, make sure that it's working properly, everything is tested, um, all the plugins kind of um, are added, um, and you know, opening a couple of test projects, um, trying to upgrade a test project from previous version of the software, whether it's Revit, Archicad, or Vectorworks. Um, so yeah, the budgetary number is about one hour per workstation. So in our example, 30 person firm, 20, 20 machines times one hour, 20 hours or so, whatever your IT provider's hourly rate is, um, agreed upon hourly rate is. Um, okay. Um, you mentioned, I, I want to jump into the upgrade roadmap uh, soon, guys. I think that's kind of where the juice is uh, to help you kind of think through that part. But before we go there, you mentioned learning curve. Can you give us a little bit of a, I know different, like 2023 will be different than the previous version, but what do you see there? Is it typically pretty steep and what does it depend? And the length of the learning curve, the expense of the learning curve uh, depends on time invested. How do you see potentially companies uh, compress that? Um, so, I mean, if you're upgrading from previous couple of versions, like if you're version let's just say 21 of Revit going to version 23, I don't think the learning curve is steep. I don't think there's a lot more that you need to learn. Um, so most of your staff should be fairly comfortable if they're working in 21 or 22, uh, working in 23. I think um, if you're going from like 2016, 2017, or 2018, there could be some additional things that you may need to consider, um, especially since you're going to be changing the licensing, kind of signing up for a new license and the new Autodesk portal, um, and then all those additional tools that have been implemented since, let's just say 2016 in the last seven years, and you want to utilize those tools, that's probably where the um, added learning curve would be. And most, um, if not all, Autodesk resellers, and I'm saying Autodesk because that's the primary tool for right now, um, in the, in the industry, most Autodesk resellers will offer you some sort of training to go over those new features. So you can contact your reseller uh, and work with them to get your training and get your whole team trained up. Um, for Archicad, there's training directly from Graphisoft and also some of the resellers that they have. Um, and I think it's the same for Vectorworks as well. You can work with the reseller to try and get that training for your team. Gotcha. And the reseller will scope it out and and be able to give you options. Yeah, in most cases, if you've already used the software before and you're not switching tools, um, right, just upgrading versions, you probably need half a day of training for your team to uh, to get everybody caught up. It's not too bad. Um, all right, so let's talk about upgrading roadmap. Let's say a company has made that decision. And by, by the way, um, ladies and gentlemen, if you aren't on this, on this live stream, go ahead and type in your question. If you have uh, any questions on um, some of the, you know, how to make decision around new features as well as um, the costs of upgrades. If you have any questions on those and the learning curve, uh, please ask. We're going to jump into the upgrade roadmap. We've already sort of decided uh, to move forward with the upgrade. We've already put a budget together. Now the process begins. Boris, walk us through. Let's let's just, first of all, let's right now, let's just do a framework very quickly one, two, three, four. Uh, what are the steps? Um, what are the main steps, I guess, waypoints in upgrade roadmap? 
So I'll go back to the initial step of understanding and evaluating the features. Mm. And then your next step should be, well, these features look great. I think we need to upgrade. So then your next step should be is finding uh, one, two, or three people who are your power users, your most technically savvy uh, people in the organization, and get the software installed for them. And this will effectively be your pilot group so that they can experiment uh, with the new software and make sure that those features are actually working the way that you're expecting them to work. Um, and also that there's no additional bugs in the software. A lot of times what we see as the software just comes out, uh, it's fairly buggy. Um, so I'm, right unless there's a driver to implement a certain feature, um, we should stay away from upgrading right away. Um, but the only way to find out if there's additional bugs or if there's additional, I guess, additional things we need to do from a plugin perspective, um, maybe our plugins need to be upgraded, is to run uh, that pilot that we're talking about. So you install it on a, you know, two, three machines, you'd create a new project using the new software and see if there's any uh, process differences between, you know, version 23 and previous versions, for example. Um, you'd want to run all of your plugins on that project just to make sure that there's no other compatibility issues. And um, yeah, and you know, that process usually takes two to two months or so just to make sure that you're testing it properly. Um, once the pilot is done and once you're comfortable with um, the fact that all of your you know, your workflow doesn't need to change much, or if it does, if it changes, you're comfortable with all those changes, then we can plan a rollout to the rest of the team. Now, does IT team uh, typically help with the pilot? Yeah, or part, if so, what part of the, um, you know, what part do we play? Um, so yeah, we'd, we'd help with the installation of the software uh, for those people. We'd give some basic um, training if anything is needed. We'd make sure that the software launches properly. We'd make sure that we can create a new test project and we'd make sure that we can upgrade uh, one of the projects from previous version just on that basic level. After that, we'll, we'll let the team, um, you know, run with those projects and do what they do best. Okay. Have you personally seen any uh noteworthy uh issues and or big wins with running a pilot in the past like what's some of the do's and don'ts some of the cautionary tales if you if you will well the biggest win with running a pilot is um uncovering those things that you may not have considered right so yes well one you know one of the things we've come across in the past is what i've talked about there's a plugin that works fine in Revit 21, but is not compatible with Revit 22, for example. Um, and it's because they haven't, you know, they haven't written the code um, to be compatible with Revit 22. So at that point, we have to put a stop on the pilot or we have to put a stop on the rollout and wait for that later version to come out. Uh, and once the later version comes out, then we also need to make sure that it's backwards compatible with some of the older versions of Revit. One of the things we found is sometimes the latest plugin is not compatible with the other one. So there's there's compatibility issues is 
one of the biggest things that you need to pay attention to, along with just bugs in the software, right? Um, usually the first version of the software that comes out is not very well tested. Um, and kind of the general rule of thumb of, um, you know, installing upgrades is wait for the first service pack or, or the first major update to come out. So instead of installing version 2023, wait until 2023.1 comes out to make sure that you, you're getting the bug fixes um, from previous. So um, when, when is that usually, what's the timeline usually for, for companies like Revit to release point one or It one? depends. Um, I'd say, you know, three, four months. Three months. Okay, gotcha. Um, have you seen failed pilots? And if so, uh, what happened? I don't think there's, I don't think we can call it a failed pilot, right? Because the the goal of the pilot is to mm. figure out whether you're going to move with the upgrade or not. So pilot would be a success if it finds an issue and you don't, you know, you don't move forward with the upgrade and kind of render your whole company useless. That's still a success. Um, but yeah, so what I've just talked about, plugins, um, issues, bugs, and those can all kind of slow down the rollout and but and will be uncovered during the pilot phase. Is it typically um, in like uh, shops we work with or you work with uh, directly, do people have this one person or two people who who kind of front runners and, and w- are willing to test or do you... Do you see uh, principals or, or otherwise business leaders designate someone as a tester? Because, you know, there's quite like an additional workload, right, for on them besides their regular work. They got to pro- deliver projects, but they also got to test out the software. How do you see that dynamic work? Uh, usually there is one or two people who are really tech savvy who want to learn new stuff and always raising their hand uh, to participate in these type of pilots. So, yeah, I mean, I... Across all our client base, I don't think I don't think I can come up with a customer that doesn't have a person or two like that. Okay, gotcha. All right, thank you for that. So now we've run through a pilot. So you said typically sixty days. Let's say we didn't uncover, uh, you know, uh, big issues. We do like we we feel it's going to work for the business. Uh, we want to proceed. What's next? Um, then we. So if we do want to proceed. We schedule a project, we, you know, create a project, we um, put together a timeline and basically start the rollout process, I guess, as part of that project. Um, I mean, it's once we did, once we go to the pilot phase, it's pretty straightforward to roll it out to everybody else. It's just physical work to get stuff installed, installed, configured, tested. Once it's installed, configured and tested, then you're ready to go. So you roll out to all employees at once or you do staged rollouts? How does that work? Uh, we would usually roll out to all employees at once um, because, again, our first stage is that pilot stage. If that gives us the green light, um, most likely nobody else is going to have the issues. Um, so we would schedule time either a weekend or after hours to just get get the software installed for everybody. And depending on you know the size of the firm, that's the number of resources um, that we need on our side. Got it. And the reseller needs to um, have training already scheduled or have completed by the time you go live, right? Yeah, I think um, as you're doing the pilot and um, 
at that time, you should probably also do the half a day to a day training if you need it. Gotcha. So, all right. And then, so install configuration happens, um, then go live happens. Um, then um, you mentioned something about project conversion because all the projects are sitting in the previous version, right? How does that look like? Um, so it depends on how long your projects usually last. Um, if you are, you know, if you're working on bigger commercial projects, then at some point you will want to do a conversion. Uh, if you're working on smaller projects that usually don't last more than, you know, a couple of years, then you'd probably okay sticking with the older version and just using that version, unless, yeah, and you need the specific feature set uh, to complete the project. Um, so if you, you know, the project conversion with most of the software is pretty straightforward. If you're opening that project in a new version, then it's going to either auto-convert or prompt you to convert the project. Now you want to be mindful that everybody who is participating in that project, whether it's on your team or your consultants, um, collaborators, owners, they all need to be, once the project is converted to the newer version, they all need to be on that newer version. So usually, unless there's a specific driver um, to upgrade the project, the project should stay on previous version or everybody needs to be coordinated and install the latest version of the software to work on. Gotcha. All right. So um, those of you listening and tuned in uh, in, in live mode um, would love to hear your feedback and thoughts. Have you gone through the upgrade? How did it go? Are you thinking about the upgrade? What are your, what are your questions? Um, and as we're getting those in, let me kind of sum things up real quick. So, you know, something comes out, you review the features, um, you figure out that is potentially a, a big opportunity for your company. You want to move forward with the upgrade. Boris says, wait to 0.1 version, dot one, which means a couple of months after initial release is probably good practice. But hey, somebody, if there's a core feature and it saves tons of money and saves time, maybe someone wants to move faster. If that's the case, then, um, you know, you kind of budget out what the cost of upgrade costs may look like from a time as well as cost, you know, physical dollars perspective. And then um, you uh, set up a pilot, right? You run a pilot, you then win, lose there. Um, say you win, you move on to installation configuration of the process. That's what essentially your IT company does that lift as well as setting up your pilot for you. Uh, then you convert some key projects. Then you're, um, well, you train your team. I got to step back a second. It's train your team during pilot. Then you do configure. Uh, over the weekend or something like that, then you go live and uh, now you have take advantage of all the new features. That's sort of, did I miss any steps here? No, that sounds great. Okay. So that's your high level stuff. We'll also put it in the article uh, and we'll give you sort of that framework. Uh, so it's easy to look at. I don't see, do you see questions? Um, do you guys have any questions at all on this topic? Have you... Have you had the experience with this uh, successful or failed upgrades in the past? Give us some thoughts. This is interesting because I thought this would be the topic that has the most questions. And last two, we had uh, uh, quite a bit of engagement. This one looks like people just here to get the info, what that upgrade may look like, a process may look like. Um, so if you guys have 
questions post this event and want to have more specific uh, uh, answer tailored to your company, you can always reach out to us. There's no cost for that. If you're not a client, we'll just walk you through that, uh, how, how we think about the project and what that may look like for you. Uh, we are at getarchit.com. Um, otherwise, boys, do you have any parting thoughts? Uh, just everybody, thank you for attending and, you know, have a great rest of your day. That's and all I truly, can, that's all I can wish for. <laughs> absolutely. We truly hope this was helpful to you. Thank you very much. Have a fantastic day. Remember, make it a good one. See you next time. See you everyone.